Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I speak with my second cousin and new friend, Carlene. Carlene and I had no contact with each other until about a year or two ago when we somehow connected on social media. We eventually met last year for the first time. I liked her immediately and since then we have been building up a friendship. She is an occupational therapist. Today we discuss her vocation in the context of her spirituality. You can find Carlene on her website which is www.carlineterblanche.co.za and the spelling of that is K-A-R-L-I-E-N-T-E-R B-L-A-N-C-H-E carlinterblanche.co.za This podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Karlin's story. Sit back and enjoy. Karlin, good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. And you? I'm very well, thank you very much. It's a lovely, lovely day outside. And we're sitting in my room with a heater on because this room is so cold. Yeah, my mind is having to switch over to English now because I forgot <laughs> for a second that this conversation is going to be in English. I thought it was going to be weird speaking English too. <laughs> so... Thank you very much for coming through on a Sunday, You're which is actually a public holiday and Father's Day. Yes, my dad's far, so, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine as well. So, so we don't have to worry about that. And husband is not a dad yet, and he's in in, in bed sick. Yeah, he's so recovering shame. from wisdom teeth removal. So shame, yeah, he's at home. Shame, shame, shame. So after this, you have to put your nurse Betty outfit on yes. and go and go and be make, the carer that you make are. Make some soup and mm. yeah. hopefully there's some leftover from our lunch so you can take. Oh, you. nice. Mm. I'm planning on sending him some can- pancakes that we do oh, for dessert. Oh, you will love that. Mm. Oh, you will really Girl, love that. So we Thanks. shall do that. So, talking about Nurse Betty outfit. See, <laughs> see, see, see how, the, how the mind jumps. You are a uh, healer. Yes, I'm an occupational therapist in mental health and psychiatry. So... I mean, when people think of occupational therapy, they always ask me, so don't you work with children or don't you work with people um, with disabilities or do wheelchair transfers or things like that? Um, But that's not what I do at all. I did that last, I guess, when I was studying. Um, Yeah, it's just the the mental health and psychiatry part, I guess, is less known in OT, but it's the part that's interesting for me, that's always been interesting for me. Yeah, and that I've just been drawn to. So, what is an occupational therapist? Explain well, to the yeah, people, no. <laughs> the people like me who just, I knew they existed, and I've gone onto the internet and I've looked it up. It's like occupational therapy for me is like codependence. The more you look for a definition, the, the, the less you get a definition. So, so exactly. So and and also, don't ever tell my parents this, but I went to about maybe forty percent of my classes, so maybe they covered it somewhere there, but I completely missed it. So I, I still I, I still struggle to explain to people and I still struggle to find a good definition for it. But so occupation we don't think of as in, in our field we don't think of it as work as in vocation. We think of occupation as activity. So everything we do. Okay. So what's really nice about occupational therapy is that we have a holistic view of people. So we go into people's lives. So 
I mean, you, your occupation is making food, your occupation is driving, your occupation is being a mom, a dad, a friend, so all of those yeah. things. It's literally the everyday activities. So where I sometimes feel I have a bit more flexi- flexibility than, say, a psychologist yeah. or something like that, I can go into someone's house and I can sit with them and I can see what their, what their lives look like. Mm-hmm. What time do they get out of bed? How are their homes structured? How do they have access to the community? Um, what are their friendships like? So okay. on a on kind of a, uh, like a, sometimes a basic everyday level, but the things that keep us healthy and that keep us happy, that's what I So like do. me as a counselor, you can also go further and actually give advice. Yeah. So we, I always say we get our hands dirty. Yeah. I like a psychologist who would rather just listen and not yeah. advise. Yeah. Allow you to kind of process your own stuff. Yeah. We kind of jump in and say, because what I'm hearing is that you your mm. communication with your children is really bad. Yeah. So exactly. hence so the children act think, out in X, Y, and Z. So, yeah. so let's have a look at the way you communicate yeah. with your children. So I can also, I can say to people things like that. I yeah. can say, look, your life is really unbalanced. <laughs> if you write it down, if we look at this, you spend 80% of your time here, you spend 20% yeah. of your time there. Let's look at restructuring that. Let's write down goals. Let's write down affirmations. Let's, look, let's draw boundaries. Let's look at what's mine, what's yours. Awesome. And I think some psychologists are moving into that space yes. a little bit more. I'm but finding that more. Yeah, well. and I, th- I think that is sometimes, m- m- I don't want to say more helpful, but I find with some of my clients who've been to, t- to more kind of traditional psychotherapy where the, the psychologist just listens and gives like a bit of input, I feel that they, they want something tangible. Yes. They want something, let's draw it, explain to me what this means, explain to me what anxiety is, what is the mm. definition of anxiety, rather than kind of going back into your past and yeah. talking about things like that. And I think there's a space for both. I think yeah. I think they can they can work really well together. So what I'm understanding is we, we are more hand holding. Yeah. And I also say to my clients kind of I'm taking your hand through this journey. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a, a 50-minute session we've got. Mm. So I'm, I'm with you on this journey. Yeah. So if you've got questions, mail me. Call yeah. me, WhatsApp me, and, and yeah. we, we can discuss. It. If I answer my phone, fine, then I'll speak. If I can't, then yeah. send me a message, and, and, yeah. and, and we'll, we'll address that stuff. Yeah. So, what made you study occupational therapy? The fact that that's what I got into first. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so much a, a planner, I guess. Always, so I, I get very anxious about things. So, if there's something that can guide me, for instance, if I get accepted into occupational therapy then I'm like okay it must be a sign let me do okay, yeah. do that then I don't have to take responsibility <laughs> for what happens afterwards <laughs> cool so I like that exactly um, sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but that's yeah that's kind of how I got in that's why I went to study occupational therapy initially I really love children so I thought I would study occupational therapy um, it would prepare me for being a mom if nothing else um, I would love working with children I'd be a pediatric OT I had a best friend a year ahead of me who was studying it, so I was in, I um, sat in on one of her classes, and after that, it was luckily a Pete's class, and then I decided to go and study it. I, I, th- I applied for a bunch of other things as well, but OT was the first one I what got into. What did you apply for? I applied for engineering, I applied Are for medicine, I applied for computer programming, I applied for drama, but that 
was a kind of I think I decided I wouldn't do that before I, I Your parents was just freaked when you said yes, drama yes exactly so drama creative writing it was all like you can do that but let's let's have get, something get, else get first some let's get a degree of, first, or like yeah. something that's, that, so that you, has a career path with those options you were obviously a top performer at school Yes, yes, okay. and I, I think that's sometimes what made it hard. Is yeah. you, you go to those what 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 are those assessments that you do? Oh when God, you, um, um, psychometric testing. Psychometric testing, and then the lady's like, so um, you can do any of these fifteen yes. things. You score well in science, and you score well in math. So then you can do this and this and this, yeah. and then you think, okay, well, engineering is very different than like occupational therapy or medicine. So then I just applied for everything. It, it was a like it's a good experience to go through in terms of thinking about it, yeah. but it doesn't really guide you. Doesn't really take into account yes. your personality and the day to day what you'll be doing. Yeah. Just kind of takes into account your aptitude, I yes. guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of psychometric testing. I'm yeah. Very outspoken about it as well. Is it? I, I really think that for intelligent people, you can put your mind to anything. Yeah. Is yeah so and I think you you can also kind of I won't say manipulate the test but at the end of the day an, an intelligent per, per person who's involved with, with many things which in very invariably your, your your top students are mm. they will come out with, with quite a lot of interest and, yes, and quite exactly. a lot of um, 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 it looks as if they have an aptitude for, for a lot of things yeah. so we end up with not really being able to give that, that child true guidance yeah. because if you put your mind to it, you'll be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's why I made the decision for OT because it was just the path of least resistance. It yeah. was the easiest. And I remember in my fourth year, my third year, I was working. So we do these blocks and then you have to you do practical work. And I had to do a wheelchair transfer with this old lady who'd had a stroke. And I kind of picked her up to transfer her and I moved and I sat her down on her bed. And there was this spit yellow... <laughs> blotch left on my white shirt and the, it stank the whole day and oh, that's yeah. where I decided there is no way I'm doing this for the rest of my life <laughs> there is just no way I'm working in a hospital working in, and those are the kind of questions that those yeah. aptitude or psychometric tests never really yes. ask because that's not how I want to spend my day it's like when I studied psychology I don't know I had cousins who the one was physically disabled and the other one was mentally disabled and I suddenly realized that I spend so much energy pretending that they're normal, mm. that I act, I act so abnormally. Yeah. And it suddenly dawned on me that I don't know whether I can do this. I don't, yeah. I don't know whether I can do this yeah. psychology thing. Yeah. And that, that was one, one of the big reasons why I decided to actually not, not do an honours in psychology. Yeah. I also think by the t- when you make those decisions, you're really young. Yes. When you 18... 19 maybe years old and you go into especially a healing profession what you have to hold emotionally and what you have to i mean if you're 19 years old what do you know about life what do you know about relationships or trauma or especially if you grew up kind of sheltered um and and that's that's sometimes i don't even think it's not that it doesn't work for us it's just that we're too young to do that straight out of university or straight out of school i don't i don't think life works What's the word I'm looking for? I think the whole way that life works is kind of screwed up. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was 17 when I left matric. Mm-hmm. What do, What did I know at yeah. 17, growing up sheltered, about what my career options were? Yeah. So this was, I matriculated in, in 84. In those days, we didn't have 
in school psychologist and counselors yeah. and that type of stuff. You just did it. Mm. So you just kind of. I went to to varsity with sociology as a major, which I had no idea what sociology was. Yeah, exactly. I just heard that it's kind of like psychology for groups. So off I go. Even occupational therapy, I had no idea what it was. And there we were suddenly working at Veskopis, which which is what a a psychiatric hospital in in the state system in Pretoria. And working with like children who had burn wounds and things. And and in my mind, I thought I was going to play with children for four years. That's what I thought my degree was going to be. Yeah, so... So what winged you away from children? Well, I think it was more that I was drawn so drawn towards psychiatry. Because okay, so it out. wasn't a push, it was more No, a pull. it was more a pull, exactly. Okay. And it, by the time I had finished my OT degree, there was almost no question. I, okay. I, it wasn't a, a, like a, a moment of decision making. It was just that what I want to do for the rest of my life is work with people with Anxiety, depression, schizophrenia was really interesting to me at some stage. Yeah, I loved schizophrenia as exactly. well. Exactly. Such, such an interesting mental like health Psychosis. Exa- yeah. yeah, it's very mm. interesting. Um, autism, I was interested in at some stage. So it's really, the field is so vast and yeah. so incredibly interesting that there was almost no other choice for me. Yeah. So whether it is as an OT, um, I'm very interested in group therapy. So I did some extra training in group therapy. And that is one of my main interests at the moment. Mm, um, I need to speak to you about that. Yeah, I I'm starting groups. Really? Yeah. I think it's such a powerful treatment modality and very underrated in South Africa, except in the recovery field. Well, the, yes. in terms of support groups, but group therapy yeah. is not really. People almost see it as a secondary therapy, but the research shows that it works as mm. fast, if not faster, yeah. than individual therapy. It's um, it's much cheaper often, yes. so it's easier to access. I like that as well. It's really, I think, mm. you almost, you, if you're into individual therapy, you almost have to also be in the yeah. group. I got an email from a lady last week to say that she and her friend are looking for somebody to run a group for them, about nothing specific. Okay. They, for them, so they will be the clients in the group. They will be the clients. Okay. They, they, they've had it with other with a psychologist but she mm-hmm. moved away and they're now looking okay. for somebody who will facilitate this all they want they want a safe space to come and unpack yeah. so the group is already there and formed yeah so so I said to her okay let, let's see what we can do so I went out on the Somerset West group and I said I'm planning on starting a group there's mm-hmm. no specific topic mm-hmm. we're creating a safe space for you to come and unpack yeah. it, it sounds nearly like as, as if it's going to actually turn out more of a dialogue group yeah but mm. you'll, well, I'm, I'm truly going to see where it's, yeah. where it's going. And, and the interest I got actually was very, very good. I think oh, I had, really? Oh, that's good. I think I had 18 women. No way. Wow, yeah, that's actually 20. really good. One of the things I really struggle with is filling my group. So yeah. maybe I should work at some So I had 20 sure. people who said they're interested in this. And I think that the one thing that, because previously I went out in the market in Sunset West and I said, oh, I'm looking at starting group therapy in addiction, codependence, okay. bada, bada, so bada, 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 and nobody responded. I had two mm. responses. Okay. But now that I say it's an open group. Yeah. yeah. So, and it, what so I I'm love about afraid it, because I've never done groups, no, but I've ever. sat in millions of so them, so I'm quite sure. That the <laughs> trick is that in group therapy, you actually work much less hard than individual <laughs> therapy. The members hold each other. Yeah. That's, I, I never, I never feel anxious before my group therapy starts and I never feel like it's it's hard work. I mean obviously sometimes it is a bit of hard yeah. work, but it's not the the members do the work themselves yeah. and they hold each other and you just facilitate. You yeah. just create the safe space yes. and you just make sure the boundaries are there and yeah. 
sometimes it's just the logistics of like time and place and things mm. like that. But the group, yeah. oh, it's beautiful. What happens in group therapy is just beautiful. Cool. So we're going to do small groups, four people. Okay. And, mm. and let, to start with, let's see what happens. Yeah. If it grows, then we'll find another venue. Yeah. So, Kathleen, we are family. Yes, we so. are family and we met, what was it? Well, we met a year ago. You've not even known, less yeah. than a year ago. <laughs> yes. It's freaky. So, I saw you when you were a baby. Yeah. And then never saw you again until social media happened. And, oh my God, okay, this, I don't know how we helped to, to kind of came together that, that you're actually my cousin's daughter. So, yesterday I found out that you are my second cousin. I'm your Apparently, second cousin. We were wondering what, yes, what you call that. That's, that the that's second cousin. Are, yeah. In Afrikaans, I still don't know. <laughs> but in English, okay, okay I'm your second cousin. Party, okay, I was, cool. was not you, my second cousin. Okay. So, okay. And so, obviously, I know your father and your mother. Mm. And I was thinking this morning about their wedding, which was really, really a lovely... Oh, really? Lovely, yeah. That's so... Like, it's it's yeah, amazing was, that you had my parents' wedding. Mm, yes. And it was the first wedding where I was at where the bride and groom sat. It? Yeah, so that's I found that, that uh, that's one reason why I remember it. I remember the, the color of the flowers your mom had in her hair. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, I don't know why that was that yeah. impressed me so much. The only thing I know about the wedding is that my mom bought, she had a dress that she bought a few months before and she bought a different dress that she fell in love with a week before the wedding. Is it? Okay. Yes. She looked beautiful. She yeah, really, really she did. did. Yeah. I know. I saw the pictures. Yeah. So... You obviously grew up in quite a religious household. Yes, I yes. did. I did. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Interesting that the the topics that you were looking at. Your father is one of those jack of all trades. He, he's also like kind of highly intelligent, and he can just because mm. he's done teaching, he's done engineering, he's yeah. done computers, he's yeah, he now financial works services. In, in management in a financial services yeah. company, exactly, but he, he's trained as a teacher. Yeah, so, so I was listening to your yeah. options, that's what father has done, that. Father's <laughs> done that. and mother was a teacher, she's now yeah. recently retired. Yes, you're loving it. So what does she do with herself? She, um, she's one of those retired people, you know, sometimes they get depressed or they don't like it. She is made for retirement. She um, goes running in the morning, goes to the gym, then she buys the newspaper, she manages things around the house, she goes for coffee and tea with her friends. She's a, yeah, I don't know, she so loves she it. Just, it fits like a glove. That I'm is my life so goal, jealous. is to spend my days like that. <laughs> Hopefully one day. It's my life goal, to retire. <laughs> I think it's a very noble life goal, to retire. <laughs> yeah. So... As an occupational therapist, we and as a healer, I find it really interesting to speak to healers about their spirituality. Mm. Because we deal, we create a non-judgmental space to start with. Yeah. And I always wonder, where do you stand spiritually and, and, and how do you manage to, to create the non-judgmental space and the, yeah. the, the acceptance? Yeah. And you said something interesting earlier. You, you, you said, I see it as a sign mm. so what gives you signs so, we, we do the signs come yeah. from I saw I, the sign I opened I, up my eyes I saw the sign <laughs> you sing beautifully <laughs> oh thank you very much um, I must say I'm not 100% sure how much I believe in signs still okay but I, I think it can sometimes be a cop out for taking responsibility so <laughs> so, so we need to from personal experience I know. <laughs> so I think we need I, I think I'm a bit more careful around that but I we still believe in things like synchronicity and okay, if the cool. same kind of theme comes up over and over again or, or 
I mean, like me and you, I, I think us meeting was synchronistic because yeah. we were kind of in the same field. We're both healers. We're family. We yeah. maybe, I think, think the same about things. And I just liked it. The, the, the first day we sat down, yes, Jack, I, I exactly. like this trick. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. had the same feeling. And if I think about my clients and myself, so we're holistic human beings. So we can't just treat, say a client presents with anxiety. We can't just say anxiety is this illness. We are treating this. Yeah. We have to treat the whole person, which includes their spirituality. And for me, a common theme, no matter the religion of my client, is finding that inner place of strength. So finding that place that's that they can say, say, um, I, I am okay inside. That almost yeah. that image where mm-hmm. we're under the water and we're calm and we're okay. We're underneath the waves. Okay. So despite the illness, despite the external circumstances, oh, cool. and like if we too. can grow that thing, and if we can grow that connection, and that almost spirituality in them we we can have a healthier human being so whether that becomes a healthier religion a healthier relationship with their partner a healthier being in the workspace that's often the thing that I work on so I never position myself as I am I am the person who's going to fix you you are the person who's going to fix you we are going to work together to find that thing inside yourself that is already there that can fix you and do you feel you've got that thing inside you or (laughs) it comes and goes it comes and goes on a good day yes on a bad day and I think it also depends on how much time I actually calm down and let myself find that space inside me and how often I say Oh, you know, because life can get so busy and you can get so frantic yes. and I have quite an anxious mind so it hooks mm. on the weirdest things. Um, <laughs> and then I, like, brrr, it goes like that. But, so I love running. So if I go for a run, I create some space to just come back into mm. myself. So you've joined a running club? Oh, I have joined a running, running club and running group, yes. Is just it a, a club or a group? It's, it's, it's the athlete. Atlantic Athletics Club. Okay. And they run twice a week and you can run with oh, them. Cool. So you don't pay any money. You can, okay. you can just, just gonna... go. Yeah. So I've only gone once. I don't know quite like quite awesome. how the other logistics work. But yeah. I've, I've, and it's so things like that. I also spending time with my good friends. That for me fosters that thing inside myself. That self-care for you. That's that gonna... self-care for mm. me. Reading. Sometimes just being in nature. So you know those things where they like have those lists of self-care things and we think like, mm. oh, that's not important. That's actually really important. Yeah. And we underestimate what that can do for us. Yes. Yes. So that thing inside me, I know is there. I just do not always give it so much attention. I don't always foster it as much as I should. Yeah. I hear you. And now, as, yeah. Dyson has joined us in the room. <laughs> you, might have, you might have heard him mowing at the door, so open the door. And this is now close to his lunchtime, so he's now actually not Aww. a calm cat at the moment. So you might hear us shifting things around because he's now walking all over the desk. Well, speaking of oh, so t- the speaking of, of things that foster, so like cats and dogs and pets, I think that can also foster that thing yeah. inside of us, that that connection, that strength in who we are. Yeah. And, and I sometimes think we miss that because it's not only the thing that I am alone. It's who I am and that strength is also in my connection with other people. Yes. And that, or with pets or things that like that. Sad. That's what strengthens that. So we're not actually made to be these individual pillars and these islands. Absolutely. Like it's the name of your podcast. My second SAA sponsor was this wonderful, wise, older man. And he said to me one day, you know, kind of, you know, Freddie, I don't care what you believe in, but ultimately I believe that 
we weren't the, the human being was created a packed animal mm. we were not meant to function individually Absolutely. so therefore we weren't created perfectly yeah because had we been created perfectly, we could have fulfilled we, all our own needs. And we wouldn't needs. need each other, exactly. We wouldn't need, so we yeah. were not created perfectly so that we yeah. can need each other. And so yeah. that we can need this inner, inner thing. Yeah. Have you ever had a client whom you could really not identify with their spirituality or their re- religiosity? And you really struggled um. in therapy with that? Not so much in my individual practice, but I, I worked at a clinic at some stage. And there I did struggle sometimes because we saw, so we saw people that were more acutely ill. And when people are acutely ill, they become very selfish. And I mean, I know that in myself as well. When yeah. I'm not okay, I become very selfish. And sometimes I struggled to connect with them on that, like knowing that there is that good part in them yeah so especially when it's people who have done really heinous things or who are just very different than mm. i am because i i also have to keep in mind who i am i'm a white female yeah. grew up in a privileged background and a um, religious christian background yeah. so sometimes if someone is very far removed if they're an older male with problems that I can't necessarily identify with, that I do struggle okay. with. But luckily at the clinic I had a team. So that was okay. okay. So I wouldn't necessarily see them for individual therapy. And in the group, I was one of many group therapists. Okay, so that did cool. make it easier. Yeah. And I'm hoping that one day, because I, I, I believe we should be able to find a connection with everyone. And I, I'm a bit older now than I was when I worked at the clinic. So I might be able to see people differently and with more compassion and less judgment. But yeah, it has happened, unfortunately, that I couldn't yeah. really relate to people. I couldn't see that what's a beautiful part of them, yeah. which I'm sure is there. I've got one ex-client who I really, really so struggled with her religious beliefs. Is it? It was so difficult for me. And I, 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 I so struggled to find the, the compassion and the empathy. Uh. Because I believed that her religion was actually the hurting yeah. her. And, and, and I, I, I couldn't... Yeah. And I was so afraid that it's my view that that was causing it. I, I didn't. It was such. Mm. A, it was such a weird. No, that process. comes. It transfers. It is. It, it, it mine. Is it oh. yours? Right? I yeah, so the sessions. I, I was so exhausted of the sessions. Yeah. I didn't know. I just did yeah. counter transference. So I, I didn't know mm. what what was mine and what was hers and where we. Oh, it's and that, I, But I think th- so. That is sometimes, for me, if a religious structure is very rigid, that's. I don't struggle with that because I know it well, yeah. but I, it impedes the recovery of the client. And it's, a, it's hard work to kind of get that flexibility into yes. the religious structure. If yeah. there's a very like r- right and wrong and black and white mm. and, and rigid way of thinking. Yeah. So I always try and use th- their religious beliefs in a healthy way. Yeah. And get rid of some of, and, and maybe, so where a psychologist can't, but I can say, you know what, can you see how that is hurting that in that area of yeah. your life? Or if someone thought that way about you, how would you feel? Yes. So I'm, I'm sometimes quite direct about those yeah. things. Something that I can't get out of my head is, so both you and I are, let's call it soft scientists. Yes. And both our husbands oh. are hard scientists because yes. <laughs> your husband's an engineer. Yes, he's an um, engineer at the University of Stellenbosch. So yeah. that's a He's hard actually in a, in a building next to my husband. Yes, so. which we also found out yeah. <laughs> later. How does, how does he connect with your 
soft sign side. You're... <laughs> um, not. He does. No, I'm kidding. So he does. He does try. What's very interesting is I, I can often use my and my husband's relationship as a as creating empathy for my clients because I often see that in my clients that the client can be a lot like me but that their husbands or partners are yeah. a lot like my husband. So we... I guess we talk about what I do in a more scientific way. So I would create, I, I tell him about like interesting symptoms that I've seen in clients or interesting situations or like obviously keeping confidentiality. But yeah. I, th- th- and that sometimes I think creates maybe a bit of compassion in him as well because he's a, what did you call it? Is it like a the hard science? science. <laughs> a hard science. Yeah. He, he works with numbers and, and his world is, his field is right and wrong oh. and this equals that and you need that much and sun energy for that. that. doesn't matter how you look at exactly. it. Exactly. If, yeah. if you need that much energy to power that yeah. thing, I know, weird example. But, but, but that, you know, kind of, it will not always be like this because today you feel like this is no, tomorrow no, you feel like my that word. and, and the, the outcome's completely different. Sometimes <laughs> I say to him, can I just come and sit in your office for a little bit because your days are the same and like, can I be your secretary because you know what to answer in every email. Where with us, we, we, we're not really yeah. like that. So, but I think we're good for each other because I need a bit of that in my that world balance, and he yeah. needs a bit of me in his world. Are I, you emotional? Are you an emotional being? You, that is an interesting question. I used to think I was very emotional, but now I think... Compared to other people, I'm not that emotional. <laughs> okay. you, you, you don't really often have a... It's because my husband used to tell me that I'm very emotional. But I actually think that he's very unemotional. <laughs> so I think I'm probably in the middle. And obviously, as I've gotten older, maybe learn to to be with my emotions in a, in yes, a healthy and more compassionate way. And to be kinder to yourself as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. I think it's it's not necessarily about being emotional or not or having emotions. It's about being okay with having the emotions. Yeah. So if you're angry, are you okay with being angry? Because yeah. often, so I see a lot oh. of anxiety clients, a lot of eating disorder clients, and it's that's just the symptom. That's like the first layer. And exactly, what yeah. are the emotions underneath mm. that we can't sit with? So that's why what I always or hopefully try and tell myself is, yeah. So you're having all these emotions. That's okay. How can we be with them in a kinder way? Yeah. I always say, under anger is pain. Let's go and find absolutely, the pain. Yeah. And angry people don't want to go and find the pain no, because anger is so much yeah. easier to feel than, than pain. Yeah. But I had a session the other day where Yaku finds my emotionality very difficult. Are you an emotional person? I'm very emotional. Um, <laughs> okay. But... And I, I went. I went through a, through a bit of personal crap over the past few months, and then I would. I won't talk to Yaku about it because he just doesn't understand. Uh, he doesn't understand the way I want him to understand. Yeah. yeah. And um, one night, I, I, I eventually just broke down, and I had this conversation with him, and he just looked at me and said, "I don't know what to say to you." <laughs> <laughs> and that I sounds really, exactly like my husband. But I really appreciate that honesty. Yeah. Kind of, I can yeah. blabber a lot of bullshit, yeah. but at the end of the day, I don't know yeah. what to say. are professional exactly. people, don't see So, often says to me, so that's my husband's name, so we, we, I'll tell him about like a difficult day or that I don't understand this email that I got from someone who upset me, blah, blah, blah. And then he would say to me, I never really feel like that, so I don't really understand that. Sweet. They, because yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't get as upset as yeah. I do or get as emotionally charged by other people. That so and that, that's actually great because mm. he can handle some of the conflict and he can handle some of the things that are harder for me. Mm. 
and I can handle some of the softer things that are harder for him. Totally so, yeah. And I have my people that I talk to. So I have friends that yeah. I can say, I'm feeling like this, and they can say, oh, I know exactly yeah. how you feel. I've got amazing friends like that. Yeah, well. where my mm. husband j- just doesn't because he doesn't feel the same yeah. as I do. Totally His emotions so. don't, literally, I don't think, feel the same to him as, as it does to me. I had a session the other day where I, a, a client, we were dealing with something very personal, very private, and very, very painful. And I was going through through my own session, mm. and the whole time I think all I want to do is cry. I just want to oh, burst out yeah. into tears, and I really struggled. Yeah. And the minute that session ended, I just yeah. burst into tears. <laughs> but um, it was ugly crying, like. <laughs> <laughs> like Yaka could hear it in his office. Ugly and he walked out of his office, knocked on the door, say, "Are you okay?" <laughs> And he just held me for a while. So yeah. But that is sometimes what we need. Mm. We just need, even just the holding, the physical yeah. holding, there's no like perfect thing to but say that, or whatever. That needed to come out of me anyway. And, exactly. I, and I always say to my clients, you know, rather out than in. And that was really Absolutely. necessary for me to get that out because it was been stuck inside for far And I think our clients appreciate that as well when they can really see that. Because obviously you're connecting to them if yeah. you're feeling their pain. Then, yeah. then it's not just me sitting with this. It, it feels... So I often use that. I often really try and feel what the client feels. Mm. Be, you know, like mirror neurons and all of that theory that I don't quite understand. I think there's something in that, that yeah. that, that is the healing. It's not just the problem solving. It's the connection, the human connection. Yeah. So important. And have you watched the Yuhan Hari stuff? <gasps> Oh my Isn't word! I'm so I read his book, the um, Hidden Causes of Depression, yeah. Lost Connections. Have you read that? No, I haven't. So I listened to the audiobook. It's great because he narrates it, and I'm obsessed with that because he speaks about depression and anxiety not only as a chemical illness because often and, and obviously we want that we just want to pull to make it go away exactly. we just want to pull we to live be in, like, a, in a society of instant gratification give me a fucking call and go away absolutely but he speaks of all the other things yeah and as a society how we set up for like obviously we'll get depressed obviously we'll yes. get anxious in this world where we know everything we hear everything we Melanie Beatty says the most beautiful thing which she says we keep on thinking about scary things. Then we wonder why we're anxious. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, driving here, yeah, just the what's in the news and what they talk about. Mm. And it's a public holiday. It's a Sunday. We're supposed to be able to be calm and relaxed. But we still have to think about, we're still bombarded with all of yeah. this. And it makes us disconnected. So yeah. we're living in a different way than we used to. We're working in a different way than we used to. So does Johan have the same theory about mental health as he has with with addiction because his whole thing about about addiction and his most prominent talk on youtube is everything you think you know about addiction is wrong yes and what he says there is the opposite of addiction is connection yes absolutely so that's okay, so, exactly so what he says connection so is, the, the opposite of so mental illness is connection mm. that's absolutely and he gives oh his book is great everyone should read, read it. it you should read it he talks about like his these real life examples there was one i think like Oh, in Berlin, at some stage, there was this community of people. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking it, I, about? I, I watched the YouTube talk on that. Yeah, so... There was also a YouTube talk where we blatantly said, I'm gay, I don't... I, I, and I thought, oh my word. You can say that, it's, it's okay. interesting that you just kind of just yeah. blurred it out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I like even more. <laughs> so this, you, you have to read the book for the context or maybe oh, cool. Google it, but the, 
Um, how this community What's the of people name? it's called Lost Connections. Okay. The hidden causes of depression. Awesome. And these this how a community of people who didn't have a lot of money but got together and in certain circumstances and then got better. Yes. Like they weren't mm. so depressed anymore, they weren't so anxious, mm. even physical illnesses, even like, you know, like he, the way that he speaks about yeah. addiction, it's all about connection. So th- what we're seeing, I believe, is just the symptoms. Yeah. And and if we f- keep trying to fix the symptoms, we're not going to get anywhere. We need to fix the other things. I ask my cl- qu- clients a ton of questions like, what do you love doing? What did you used to love doing? What don't you do anymore? What do your friendships look like? I always tell to them, can you tell your friends that you're here right now? Mm. And if they say no, then there's something about connection that's not yeah. there. So, and that's the healing. It's not, I mean, medication plays a very important part. It does, but it's not the thing that's going to, you're not going to find the right medication and then be fine. That doesn't, unfortunately, work. Well, fortunately, otherwise we wouldn't have a job, I guess. (laughs) 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 Yeah, (laughs) then it would have to be a pediatric occupational therapist. (laughs) Who did I see the other day? Well, sitting, well, no, I actually need to thank you. For the way the youth is, is, is growing up. Because thanks to that, you are filling my rooms <laughs> for me. Absolutely. But we have now chatted for quite a while. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Time like, goes so when you're in a coma. <laughs> so, what I'm hearing is the, the, the most beautiful thing is I'm hearing this person that cares deeply for for other people who is learning to care deeply for herself mm. in the process as well. Did you... you know, see, this was always the worst I'm going to uh, end with and then uh, another... <laughs> conversation starts. Was there any event in your life that you feel kind of changed the way you look at life? I, uh, yeah. I, again, I can't kind of put it down to one event. What did... But it did make me question a lot of things. So I, I grew up in Kempton Park. I went to university in Pretoria. People around me were the same as me. Yeah. They had the same kind of level of income, level of education. They spoke Afrikaans. They, their parents looked like mine. And moving to Cape Town, oh, you know, it was a bomb school. There were, <laughs> I met gay people. I met lesbian people. I met people who um, were in their fourth marriages. I met people who had children but weren't married. Yeah. I mean, I met people who dressed weirdly it was and and welcome to Cape Town welcome to Cape Town and how cool was that how absolutely cool was that and that for I think that it wasn't like one event but it did over a few years made me kind of question things and and think about life in a different way and become less rigid myself become less rigid in my right my wrong my who who is good and who is bad and even what is that um, so that's what I would call a spiritual awakening. Yes, exactly. Kind of so just, move to Cape Town. <laughs> move to Cape Town. <laughs> just this thing that opens your eyes to look at life slightly differently. Yeah. And you moved to Cape Town to come and do your master's. No, I actually, so um, when you do occupational therapy, you have to do your community service. Okay. And I moved to Mpumalanga. Yes, my Zuma, yeah. <laughs> so I moved to Mpumalanga, which for six months I hated and for six months I loved in the end Where in, 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 in Khaskop so I stayed in okay. Khaskop so I went oh, mountain biking and beautiful, yeah. tubing down the rivers and things that city people don't do at yeah. all so it was really cool so why do you hate it? 
Were you alone? Oh, the first six months yeah. I hated because I didn't have friends. Okay. And then I made friends and oh, see cool. connection. And yeah. then I <laughs> loved it. So I spent six months what just like watching Stephen Delon and then six months outside and doing <laughs> things. And, and I wonder you were depressed watching Stephen Delon and not to get. Sorry, Stephen Delon, but nothing against you personally. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched a full episode of it. Uh, I've watched many, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but you also. So is your therapist working on that? My, yeah, my therapist is working on Seven Alone. My Seven Alone PTSD. Getting Seven Alone out of your system. But we, so we used to always, since I was 14 years old, have holidays December in Cape Town. Not in Cape Town, in the Cedarburg. Okay. Um, and my friends came to study in Stellenbosch. I visited them a lot. So after I'd already moved and my friends were dispersed, I decided, let me move to Cape Town. Let's see what happened. So we had family, friends, and I, I was going to just stay for a year. And then after that year, I decided, let me do my master's. And then I met my husband and I was in Sweden for a bit and came back and we just stayed. And now it's 2019. <laughs> so you did your master's at Stellenbosch? I did, yes. What, what was the Sweden about? Okay, so my husband. Uh-huh. And I do not, it, uh, I still maintain <laughs> that it, I did not move for him. Okay, so, so this is the, the disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, hashtag, or what do you call it? Don't tell, hashtag don't tell for him. So, um, when I met my husband, he had already gotten accepted to do his master's in Stockholm in Sweden. Oh, cool. So, we met in, I think, the June, and he moved in August. And then I was busy with my master's at Stellenbosch. And then I found out that you could do this research exchange. Oh, cool. And one of the places was Stockholm that you could go to. I actually wanted to go to Spain, but I couldn't speak Spanish, and that was a prerequisite. Okay. So... I applied and in the end um, I got it and I got to stay in Stockholm for six months um, and do a bit of my master's there and do a part of kind of a global health course, which is really cool. They paid for my plane tickets, they paid for my accommodation. Um, I got to spend time with my boyfriend at that stage and we traveled Europe. I had a Schengen visa. It was amazing. It was really, really, really cool. And what did you do your master's in? In mental health and psychiatry, so occupational therapy masters with um, in mental health and psychiatry. So the specialization. Okay. And that. was your thesis? Yes, my thesis was on. Well, you know, so the the occupational oh, life. Sorry, <laughs> I, 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 this is this is kind of one of my my personal vicious questions, which nobody realized because I always find it so interesting to find what arbitrary shit people it, write it, thesis about. You know about. what? It was su- it was super odd, but a cool life experience. So the, the occupational life trajectories of men under 25 in the Heidefeld community, that is the title of my thesis. Heidefeld, In yeah. Heidefeld there. I worked at an okay. NGO when I just, I didn't work as an OT when I just came to Cape Town. I found work for, at an NGO. So I did some work there and that's where I started to do research on my thesis. It was really cool actually. So I gave um, six men cameras, they were under the age of 25. And they had to take pictures of the things that they did during the day. And they brought pictures of, like, guns and drugs. And I was this young Praetorian <laughs> woman going, like, oh, my word, this is a new world. Yeah, this white Afrikaner Macy. This white Afrikaner Macy. With First time seeing a gun. Of, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But it was it was really cool. And, and, and the, even, so I did narrative interviews with the young men. And in those interviews, I think that also just a, a transformative experience of hearing what yeah. people's lives are like. So the, the, it was really cool for me. I think besides just the thesis, just having that experience yeah. was super privilege. Um, and awesome. them letting me into their lives and, and talking to me about that. I still can't believe that they did because... Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got roped into an NGO in Heidefeld as well, 
who wanted me to start a drug program. Okay. Until I realized I was already in, in a meetings okay. in Heidefeld. But one of the most shocking things that I've heard the, the, the person talking about is how the drug dealers sell tuck, which they normally sell in a straw okay. um, for like in 60 bucks. Huh? And then what they did, they, they cut that, that straw into six and made bullets. Now it's 10 rand one. Oh, wow. And now you can exchange a few empty bottles. And afford the drugs. No way. Children as young as six years old. Sure. Yeah. It's really, yeah. really... It's, it was, it was, I so it's I had felt interesting that we have that connection yes, as well. Yeah, wow, yeah. Okay, so that, so that that was a really good life experience yeah, for you. Yeah, that was a good Again, life Again, looking at life completely differently. Absolutely differently. I and love those there, experiences. And there, actually, I got to spend a lot of time with kids because the, the NGO was actually working with children. So that's what okay. I spent the days doing. And then my research was just... Because I'd seen these young men around and loitering and hanging out and... and I thought that would be a cool research study. Awesome. Um, So it actually wasn't even that much in mental health. It was just in, I guess, different life experiences. It nearly sounds more sociological. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that. Wonderful. Well, this was real. Yes, it was. (laughs) I I thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for coming through and chatting to me. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I said to you I've never been on a podcast before and it was really fun. It was a cool experience. Thank you very much. I'm glad I didn't freak out completely. I didn't. Well, (laughs) the jury is out. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. I was so hoping you would at least bring bring wine, have a glass of wine during the chat so you can relax. (laughs) Well, I can't do that. It's a recovery um, room, this one. Okay, you're allowed. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll know for Nick. Next time, oh, Awesome. You can have a wonderful day. And let's see what my husband boiled up for us for I lunch. I can't wait. <laughs> cool, look after yourself. Thank bye. you, bye-bye. I get the feeling we could have kept on chatting for a long time. I love how we are doing similar work, while our husbands are also in parallel industries. We definitely have a lot in common. I am excited to learn from Carleen as I believe she has a skill set that will stand me in good stead professionally as well. But until then, I'm looking forward on getting to know this awesome human being much better. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or on Twitter at, at Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. I want to thank Carlene for her time and energy in talking to meet me in the field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.